Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell offers more insights on inflation and the Fed's next moves. We discuss a major acquisition by Berkshire, cover the biggest in those calls of the day. A Boeing jet crashes, Shanghai Disney set to close Monday, and Goldman Sachs digs deeper in the cryptocurrency industry. This is the Running With The Money briefing. Let's get into it. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Running With The Money Briefing powered by Pound The Table. I'm your host, Luke Donay, and we currently have the Dow Jones sitting down after the close, 201 points, NASDAQ down just 55, and the S&P 500 down 1.9. My oh my, a wild day and a lot of headlines to cover. I mean, literally news coming out all throughout the weekend and now in and throughout today. So we have a lot of headlines to cover and we're going to get right into the news. Well, One of the biggest headlines of the day, well, the biggest headline of the day, is this commentary out of Federal Reserve Chairman Mr. Jerome Powell. Now, what in the world did Mr. J. Powell have to say? Well, we're going to discuss that right now. Well, he kind of, he ratcheted up that uh, rate hikes tightening talk even more. So, as we know, out of the latest FOMC meeting, we got a 25 basis point rate hike. Well, the fear has been now since that meeting that we could see a 50 basis point rate hike. And, well, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell kind of pushed the idea of that in his latest commentary. So today, in his prepared remarks for the National Association of Business Economics, he said, quote, The labor market is very strong and inflation is much too high. He goes on to say, We will take the necessary steps to ensure a return to price stability. In particular, if we conclude that it is appropriate to move more aggressively by raising the federal funds rate by more than 25 basis points at a meeting or meetings, we will do so. And if we determine that we need to tighten beyond common measures of neutral and into a more restrictive stance, we will do that as well. So, in essence... Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell saying, in short, look, guys, if we need to take harsher moves to halt this inflation, if we need to raise by, say, 50 basis points at a meeting, we are going to do that. We're going to do whatever is necessary to at least slow the inflation we are seeing right now. Now, according to CNBC and other sources, the markets right now are pricing in roughly a 50-50 chance of a 50 basis point hike at the upcoming May meeting. So this is going to be something to definitely keep an eye on. Do we get this 50 basis point hike or do they stick to the 25 basis point hikes? He also touched on not only inflation, but also the Fed's historically easy policies. He went on to say, quote, it continues to seem likely that hoped for supply side healing will come over time as the world ultimately settles into some new normal. But the timing and scope of that relief are highly uncertain. He goes on to say, In the meantime, as we set policy, we will be looking to actual progress on these issues and not assuming significant near-term supply-side relief. So, this is also something to note here. In essence, what he is saying is that, look, yes, historically, especially lately, we have been pretty darn easygoing. Our policy has been easygoing. 
But in all likelihood, it's going to be time for that easy policy to come to an end. We're probably going to have to start ratcheting things up a bit more. But we do not know when the supply side deuced inflation is going to stem. And therefore, you are going to see us take the necessary actions to stem inflation now. But then throughout his speech, he highlighted the Russian invasion of Ukraine. He talked about how that is creating some issues when it comes to policymaking. It's making the Federal Reserve a bit more hesitant. He said, quote, in normal times, when employment and inflation are close to our objectives, monetary policy would look through a brief burst of inflation associated with commodity price shocks. However, the risk is rising that an extended period of high inflation could push long-term expectations uncomfortably higher, which underscores the need for the committee to move expeditiously as I have described. So, In essence, what he's saying is, look, we do need to take into consideration all of these outside risks, such as the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the effects that invasion and conflict has in the United States. But at the same time, we need to move quickly to stem this inflation. So basically, he's explaining there a difficult balance that the Federal Reserve is currently experiencing. Now, shifting into one last note that came out of these remarks, he did not only last week, at the FOMC specifically, but he also highlighted once again throughout his remarks today the Federal Reserve balance sheet and when runoff will come and when they're going to start running off some of that $9 trillion in assets on the Fed balance sheet. He did note, in fact, according to sources, that that runoff could begin as soon as May, but there has been no firm decision, according to him, made yet. Now, shifting into our next topic of the day, Berkshire announcing the acquisition of Allegheny for $11.6 billion. Now, that represents roughly 1.26 times Allegheny's book value as of December 31st, 2021, also a 16% premium to the company's average stock price over the course of the last 30 days. Now, this deal is expected to close in Q4 of this year. It's Warren Buffett's biggest deal since 2016. And actually, if you go back, it marks the biggest acquisition for Berkshire in six years. The previous deal six years ago was for precision cast parts for $37 billion, including debt. So this is a very sizable deal in recent times for Berkshire. Now, shifting into Allegheny itself, they are involved in multiple insurance businesses, which include property insurance, casualty insurance, reinsurance, and wholesale specialty insurance. But the interesting thing about Allegheny is they are also a conglomerate, simply very similar to Berkshire in the fact that they own also a steel company. They own a funeral home services company. They own a toy maker. I mean, they are all over But their primary business, Allegheny's primary business, is insurance. Now, we did get commentary from Mr. Warren Buffett. He went on to say, quote, Berkshire will be the perfect permanent home for Allegheny, a company that I have closely observed for 60 years, Mr. Buffett said. So, It seems he is very upbeat and confident about this deal coming out of Berkshire. And definitely, it's something to know if you are a Berkshire holder. So some big news out of Berkshire Hathaway today. Now, shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, we have Morgan Stanley 
reiterating General Motors as equal weight. The firm went on to say, quote, combined with continued supply chain disruption, a softening used car market and potential demand structure, we feel it is appropriate to bring earnings forecast down modestly at this stage. So in essence, Morgan Stanley is saying, look, guys, we got major supply chain disruption. We're seeing a softening used car market and now maybe some demand destruction and therefore we're bringing down the expectations for General Motors. We also had JP Morgan reiterating Apple is overweight today. The firm went on to say, quote, in summary, lead times have extended over the last week. And while that is an encouraging sign for demand, we will wait for more data points to draw conclusions given the ongoing shifts in supply and logistics in the background. So, JP Morgan continues to like Apple, potentially some positive notes on demand when it comes to the supply chain, but they're waiting to give a big time call once again on the company, given some supply chain issues that are going on um, behind the scenes. So they're waiting to get more details in essence. We also had Jeffries reiterating Tesla as a buy today. The firm went on to say, quote, with cash accumulating at a faster pace than Tesla's ability to grow physically, we look forward to Elon Musk revealing master plan part three. However, taking into account a riskier macro and geopolitical environment for valuation, we reduce our 12-month price target to $1,250. So, in essence, what Jeffries is saying here is, look, Tesla, they are just racking up the cash, but they have so much cash, they have nothing to do with it because they can't expand that fast. So, they're waiting for Mr. Elon Musk, the master behind Tesla, to let them in on what the future holds for the company. Master plan part three, they call it. So, that's definitely going to be something to note, but given the environment of the market they are lowering that 12 month price target for tesla stock down to $1,250 now Deutsche bank reiterating neo as a buy today as well the firm went on to say quote neo has cultivated an aspirational premium brand underpinned by a leading service infrastructure that no domestic automaker has been able to match in our view while volumes have stagnated over the past few quarters due to operational bottlenecks, we think deliveries are on track to increase from 10000 per month to 25000 exiting the year, which will shift the narrative away from supply constraints to product cycles. So Deutsche Bank liking what they see at NEO, liking the brand, and liking the fact that in all likelihood, according to them, deliveries are going to significantly tick up by the end of this year, given some of the supply chain constraints or that pressure from supply chain constraints starting to come off. We also had Bank of America initiating Silvergate Capital as a buy today. The firm on the say, well, we believe Silvergate offers investors an alternative way to gain exposure to the growth of the digital asset ecosystem instead of owning an actual digital asset, such as a Bitcoin. So, Bank of America, liking the fact that Silvergate Capital can be used as, in essence, exposure to the cryptocurrency industry, and therefore they believe that the company's stock will benefit from that exposure. Also, Bank of America reiterating NVIDIA as a buy today, going on to say, quote, we maintain our buy rating on top sector pick or the top sector pick ahead of NVIDIA's GPU tech conference and analyst day on Tuesday, March 22nd with CEO keynote live streams at 11 a.m. So Bank of America pretty much saying, look, guys, we believe that NVIDIA is going to do well into investor day and probably after and throughout their investor day. And by the way, that's Tuesday, March 22nd, literally tomorrow. Um, so pay attention to that. And then finally, we had Morgan Stanley reiterating Bank 
Bank of America, speaking of Bank of America, is underweight. The firm announced a quote on the heels of the Fed's rate hike last week. We took a look at the banks which have deposit or a deposit base that is best positioned for a rising rate environment. Bank of America, RF, and SBNY alongside SIVB stand out with relatively low loan to deposit ratios and a skew towards NIB non-interest bearing deposits. So Morgan Stanley liking the way Bank of America is positioned here, but still reiterating them as underweight saying, look guys, they're going to have a tough time in these areas as well. And therefore we are reiterating them as underweight. Now shifting into Boeing, an unfortunate crisis. Once again, a 737 passenger jet crashing in China. Prayers out to the families and the victims and everyone involved in this crisis. Honestly, I did not want to cover this because it's just a very sad story, but we have to because it's in relation to one of the biggest names in the market. But a China Eastern Airlines, Boeing 737-800 with 132 people on board crashed overnight or in China on Monday. Definitely not a positive. This is a huge negative. This is a very unfortunate tragedy. It's going to be something to keep up on because we have to pay attention to why this crash occurred and does it fall onto Boeing. So we have to we have to keep up on this story. Now this is flight MU5735. It left Kunming at 1:11 p.m. local time or 1:11 a.m. Eastern time here, and unfortunately throughout that flight. It was cruising at 29,100 feet, and it began to sharply descend um, at 2.20 p.m., and then it recovered roughly 1,000 feet before it dove once again, lost contact, and the aircraft did indeed crash. Now, there has been video of this incident out across social media, across news networks. They do not yet know the reason for this crash. They are investigating it, but we did get some commentary out of Richard Obelifa, a managing director at Aerodynamic Advisory per CNBC. He said, this kind of tragedy is extremely unusual. Furthermore, it is important to note that this was a 737-800 aircraft, which has an immense safety record. It was not a 737 MAX, the aircraft that was involved in two previous fatal crashes in 2018 and 19. You know, the aircraft that they've had problems with and have had to get reapproved globally. It is not that aircraft. It is a separate one. It's 737-800, of which has a strong safety record. Now, this aircraft actually first flew in June of 2015, so it's not that old. So this continues to get even more odd, and this is why we are paying so close attention to this, because at the end of the day, we need to know, was this a fault of the Boeing aircraft itself or did something else go on? We do not yet know. Now, shifting into commentary, we did get out of Boeing per CNBC. Boeing goes on to say, quote, our thoughts are with the passengers and crew of China Eastern Airlines flight MU5735. They go on to say, quote, Boeing is in contact with the U.S. National Transportation Safety Board, and our technical experts are prepared to assist with the investigation led by the Civil Aviation Administration of China. So, they are still investigating this. We are going to keep up on the story throughout the briefings this week, but I wanted to bring it to everyone's attention because it was a major story today. Once again, prayers out to everyone involved 
prayers out to all of the families involved and prayers out to everyone surrounding this or that was on the aircraft. This is a terrible tragedy. Now, shifting into Shanghai, Disney closing down or set to close starting Monday due to a COVID spike in China. Now, Disney goes on to say, quote, in a public statement, due to the current pandemic situation, Shanghai Disney Resort, including Shanghai Disneyland, Disney Town, and Wishing Star Park, will be temporarily closed from Monday, March 2022. They go on to say, quote, we will continue to monitor the pandemic situation and consult local authorities and will notify guests as soon as we have confirmed date to resume operations. So, due to this major COVID-19 cases spike in China, in essence, Disney is suspending operations at those parks in Shanghai until further notice. Now, it is important to note when it comes to the numbers that specifically in Shanghai, they have closed down schools, they have launched a citywide testing program, and now they are absolutely just sealing off compounds. Everyone is closing in once again there in Shanghai. As of Sunday, Mainland China reported 1,656 new locally transmitted cases as of March 19th or for March 19th. So not good stuff happening over there in China when it comes to COVID-19 and, of course, prayers to everyone involved by that as well. But also, when it comes to Disney, this is not a positive whatsoever. This is a negative. They were hoping to get all their parks reopened for a significant amount of time, and now they're having to close down their park once again in Shanghai. So it is something to pay attention to and note if you're a Disney shareholder. Now, shifting into our final headline of the day, Goldman Sachs and Galaxy Digital announcing a big-time milestone when it comes to crypto trading. So Goldman did indeed trade a Bitcoin-linked instrument called a non-deliverable option with Galaxy Digital, a crypto merchant bank. So this is the first time this type of trade has occurred from a major U.S. financial institution such as Goldman Sachs. The story was first reported on by CNBC, and I do want to give credit where credit is due, so it was reported on by CNBC. Also, it's important to know, that when you compare this type of trade, this non-deliverable option connected to crypto, when you compare this to, for instance, the CME Group's Bitcoin futures products, really, they are not the same thing because Goldman and the actual financial firm, the bank behind the trade here in this type of trade that Goldman took action on, in essence, they take on a much greater risk um, acting as a principal in the transaction. So that is also something to note, Goldman taking on more risk here with this crypto trade. Now, what did this all represent? Well, we got an excellent quote from Galaxy co-president Damian Vanderwilt in an interview per CNBC. He went on to say, quote, this trade represents the first step that banks have taken to offer direct customizable exposures to the crypto market on behalf of their clients. Much more systematically, it's relevant to markets compared to cleared futures or other exchange-based products. He goes on to say, quote, at a high level, that's because of the implications of the risk banks are taking on. They're implying their trust in crypto's maturity to date. We also got commentary out of Goldman Sachs on this interesting trade. They went on to say, quote, We are pleased to have executed the first cash-settled cryptocurrency options trade with Galaxy. This is an important development in our digital asset capabilities and for the broader evolution of the asset class. So this is big. Really what this is is an example of further adoption and trust with the cryptocurrency world by a major U.S. financial institution. So overall, a lot of the crypto fans, a lot of the crypto bulls are seeing this as a major positive simply as another example of adoption. But that is 
the end of the Running With The Money briefing for today. We had a ton to cover, and I'm happy we got through it. But in the meantime, go get my boys over at Pounding the Table a listen at Pounding the Table anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And also, please go and give me and my team a follow and a listen at Running With The Money on Instagram and Facebook or simply follow me at Luke Donate on Twitter, and please give us a listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. And once again, that includes Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Easily Profit, trade on, and I will see you tomorrow.